it. Welcome to another episode of Strata Shorts. My name is Thomas Schreiber, and I'm the Director of Marketing here at Strata. Strata is a single EMR platform and revenue cycle management service for physical, occupational, and speech therapy practices that helps you achieve a 99.99% reimbursement rate. On today's episode, I'm joined by Paul Singh, the CEO of Strata, and we'll be diving deep into how clinics should approach marketing in 2023 and beyond. If you'd like to learn more about Strata, head over to stratapt.com or email us at hello at stratapt.com. Now, without further delay, here's today's episode. So, Paul, from your perspective, how should a PT or OT clinic approach marketing in 2023 and the next couple of years? I think that most practice owners have their heads buried in the sand when it comes to marketing their own practices. And obviously, let's first address the elephant in the room and say that obviously there's some states where you can do direct access and marketing directly to patients as possible and others that aren't yet there. Other states aren't there yet. And and there you're probably you need to market yourself to the providers and get the referrals. Let's address that. That's a reality. I get it. Right. But, you know, if we can just stay a little high level here, I think what we need to do or what practice owners need to be doing in either of those situations is basically the same. Because right now they're really not doing much. Some of the providers I talk to that are in direct access states, they're still talking about referrals and they do golf outings with providers. They really don't do much when it comes to marketing directly to their patients. In the alternative states, you know, they're they're, they're doing the same thing, like golf outings and stuff like that. So let's just kind of recognize that there are realities, that it's different in Florida than it is in Illinois or whatever, right? But putting that aside, here's what I would say. For most normal businesses, normal meaning like publicly traded enterprise businesses, just for the sake of discussion here, when you look at their public earnings reports or public reports, depending on industry, the sales and marketing expense can be, depending on industry, anywhere from 20% of annual revenues to all the way up to 40% of annual revenues for a lot of these industries. And with that being said, I bet if you looked at the average practice owner today and you said, show me the percentage of revenue that you're spending on sales and marketing activities, it'd probably be a zero. Maybe it's like two, 3% if they're aggressive, but that's, that's kind of where they're at today. Now, look, I'm not advocating that you spend 20 or 40% of your revenue on marketing, but what I am trying to set the stage for is to say that it's got to be greater than what you're probably doing today. I think the average practice owner today is probably spending closer to the 0% mark. If they're doing anything, they're probably spending a couple thousand bucks on paid ads or something like that, but they don't have a strategy. So I guess where I'm going with this though is, is that one place to look at some tactics is the real estate industry. You know, it doesn't matter where you are in this country today. I would bet you that on your drive to the office, you probably saw a billboard for a real estate agent or maybe their face on a bus stop stand. In some cases, you might even have like their face on the side of your refrigerator because maybe they mailed you like a poison control number or your local sports team's calendar and they, they you know, you put it on the side of the fridge and you never think about it. But the reality is it works. Most people, like I'll just use myself as an example. I've bought and sold homes three times in the last 15 years. And so you think about it that way, you're sitting there on a Tuesday afternoon and you're talking to your spouse and you're like, 
you know, I think it's time to sell the house. And in that split second, if both of you say yes, in that split second, you're like, yeah, let's just give Kevin a call. I've used the same guy, Kevin, three times. I have no relationship with him. I don't know his kid's name. I don't actually care, right? But in that split second, when it was time for me to make a decision on whether we we're going to sell the house or not, I just called Kevin. Turns out Kevin's face happens to be on the side of my refrigerator. It turns out Kevin does a really great job of Facebook, Mark, a retargeting, and I just see him in my feed all the time. And I bet you Kevin doesn't spend more than like three or four grand a month total, I bet. But the point is, is it for PT uh, or practice owners in general, it's very much the same. If you're in a direct access state and a patient can walk right in, you don't know when they're going to hurt their shoulder. As a provider, you don't know. But like when they hurt their shoulder and they know, man, I got to go see Justin, the provider. If Justin's, the provider's face is not already in the selection set at the time of the injury or the time of the pain being noticed, Justin has no chance to get that patient. So I know I'm not articulating this very well, but what I'm saying is, is that like what we're talking about here has been widely known with lawyers and real estate people for years. I was on vacation with my family last week. You drive down the highway and, you know, you see like law firms advertising, injury law, da 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 Like, look, nobody's driving down I-95 and says, oh, you know, I've been meaning to like file a lawsuit against that injury. That's not the purpose that those ads serve. It's about like reinforcing that face over and over, reinforcing that logo over and over. So all of a sudden when it's time you got hurt and it's time to call the lawyer and you have theoretically infinite choice of which lawyers to call, you just kind of trust one lawyer more than others because you've seen them everywhere. And so, again, I admit I'm not articulating this very well, but I think that practice owners need to understand that marketing and sales activity as a percentage of revenue needs to be probably greater spend than they're used to. And now let's go one step further. Now there's a challenge there. A lot of the, provi- or a lot of the vendors that will then gladly line up to take your money are horribly unqualified. And what I've seen practice owners make mistakes around is, is they'll say, yeah, I got a Facebook guy. Like, I'll, you know, I'll say, hey, so uh, what are you doing for Facebook ads? And they'll be like, I got a Facebook guy. And then I'll say, well, how do you know it's working? Some of them alarmingly are like, I don't know. I just kind of give him a thousand bucks a month and he just does something. And you're like, oh God, that's terrifying. But that's what it is. And then others, they have this sophisticated thing where they're like, well, you know, I give him this money and then he like does these ads and drives him to a webinar and then I get like two patients a month. And okay, that's pretty sophisticated, but even then that's not, doesn't feel like enough. Let me put it really directly here. A lot of the vendors, particularly the marketing vendors that exist in the healthcare industry, what is considered good and professional in the healthcare industry from a marketer wouldn't stand 10 seconds in the consumer world. I will stand by this belief that for most people, most practice owners listening to this right now, I'll stand by this belief that a thousand bucks a month spent really well, really efficiently and really professionally across Facebook and probably Facebook actually, and maybe LinkedIn. Well, let's just say Facebook. I think you can dominate your local market regardless of whether you're in a direct access or not state. Sure. Let's do that simulation, Paul. Let's say you're a clinic owner. You've got your team. You're ready to go. You've got patients, but you're in the spot where you need to grow. 
What's your first hire or contractor in terms of how are you structuring your marketing team on that? Are you going with agency? Are you going with the freelancer? Are you going to hire someone individually? And tell me what you think that split is as far as Facebook to Google to even spending on an email as well. Regardless of whether you're a startup practice, an established practice, or anywhere in between, regardless, it doesn't matter whether you have the ambition to start something or you have 30 providers that work for you. The fact is that if you want to grow, you have an awareness problem. We could argue that you have efficiency problems. We could argue that you need more profitability. Those are different. Those are important, but a different conversation. But back to your specific question, if you want to grow as a practice owner, and I don't care whether you're a startup practice or an established one, you live or die based on whether or not people are aware that you exist. So let's start with the bottom of the funnel. Obviously, the bottom of the funnel needs to be more patience. If the more patience you get, you know, the happier everybody is, the better care everybody gets, obviously, right? And what I'm trying to say is that the top of that funnel is awareness. You know, these patients have infinite choice. These providers when they're referring a patient to somebody, they're not typically referring somebody based on credentials, like, oh, that PT went to that school and that PT. No, look, we're all human. And I forget what the research term for this is. I think it's mental availability, but the reality is all of us as human beings, as animals, whatever, when we make a decision, as much as we want to convince ourselves that we are rational, we are not. We are emotional. We move quickly. We say, you know, I want to buy a car. Well, when you want to buy a car, your rational brain knows that there's like 27 car manufacturers and you should pick the best one. But your lizard brain, your emotional one's like, yeah, but I kind of like this one brand. I kind of, you know, whatever. And so it's the same thing here. When a patient is in a direct access state and something gets, you know, they get hurt. If you're not one of the three or four doctors or practices in the mental availability selection set for that patient, you have no chance of getting that patient. Same thing with providers that do referrals. If a provider is sitting there with a patient and says, you need to go see a PT, I'll write you a referral. In that split second, if your firm or your face as a practice owner is not in the three or four mental selection set of PTs for that provider, you're never going to get the referral. And so if you believe that, if you're following me so far, now the question is, how do we engineer that? How do we engineer that awareness? So let's just now get to your point of your actual question. Like, what would I do? Well, if we agree that the bottom of the funnel is patience and the top of the funnel is awareness, now the argument is, or the question is, how do we get there? Here's how I think about it. At the top of the funnel, when we think about awareness, patients and providers, they don't know that you exist. They probably don't know if you're the best one, you know, best being a relative term. They don't know if you're the authority on shoulders versus knees. The point is, is that there's a lot of, when we talk about awareness and really dissect what that means, we're all animals. And so there's like little segmentation that has to happen up there. And what you do to drive awareness gets a little complicated depending on what you think the real problem is. Do they just really not know you exist? So anyway, here's the point. If I was the practice owner and you forced me to come up with a plan right now, I think what I would say is, is that I need to start with an email list that all my patients get onto or that I'm incentivizing all my people to get onto. And then I'm using that email list and, and, and I'm intentionally not getting into how we do this yet. We're still talking about what we're going to do. So I want to get an email list because I want to be able to like email stuff to my clients, to my past patients and all that stuff every month. Maybe, uh, hey, here's, you know, it's getting hot in Texas or whatever. 
here's some things like just start, you know, you need to start building this audience. And then at the top of the funnel, as we start to think about driving more awareness, it's really about starting to think about ads to attract new eyeballs and retarget some of those eyeballs to kind of sign up for that email address. And it's this like symbiotic loop. Like the point is though, is that like, you know, in the tech world, what we kind of say just in terms of broad, broad, broad strokes is that for every 10,000 bucks a month for a software company, I'm sorry, for every 10,000 emails you have on a list for a software company, you're probably going to make a million dollars a year. That's a very broad thing, right? And I would say for healthcare providers or healthcare practice owners, I would say, I bet you it's not the same, like in terms of dollars, I would bet that like, if you have a thousand people in your geography that are getting your emails and aware that you exist, you're probably going to make another million bucks. I don't know. Like, we'll see what the data shows over time. But I guess where I'm going with this is, is like, if it was me and I wanted to get more patients, I would focus on awareness. In order to drive that awareness, what I would do is start with an email list at the bottom of the funnel. You know, when a patient checks in, part of the conversation is, is, hey, would you like to join the newsletter? And even when a patient checks out, hey, are you on the newsletter? And you start to get into a cadence of emailing interesting, useful content to them. But now when you start to bolt on your advertising plans, you know, Facebook marketing, retargeting, all those things, you know, display ads, that sort of thing. The fundamental goal of all those things is to make sure your logo and your face are everywhere those patients ever are. And their goal and your goal from a measurable standpoint is to incentivize them or give them enough value that they at least sign up for your email. Because again, what we're trying to engineer here is, is to make sure that your face and your firm are in that mental selection set when it's time to go see a PT. And if it was me, by the way, I would say that like, I would devote at least a thousand bucks a month, no more than 5,000 bucks a month to get this all set up. And now that budget right there helps you determine what you're going to do next. Like that budget is probably not enough for a full-timer. And it's probably too little for a real agency. So the real key here is, is who's in the middle? What you probably want to do is look for somebody that understands email marketing and that understands email acquisition and understands enough about ads to actually build that funnel, execute on that plan. And it it just comes down to numbers. Just like you and I at, at our business think about this, right? It's like, okay, how much did we spend? How many marketing qualified leads or email signups did we get? How many of those became SQLs or sales qualified leads? In this context, it would be patients, right? So I know this probably sounds a little bit of jargon and stuff like that, but here's the other uncomfortable truth. In 2023 and beyond, practice owners need to think of themselves as marketing and media companies that happen to be in the healthcare industry. They cannot any longer afford to think of themselves as healthcare providers or healthcare companies with a Twitter intern or a Facebook intern. You just cannot do that. Consumers are changing. You know, everybody's like thinking about the boomers or whatever, right? But the reality is I'm 42. I'm going to age in to the audience, you know, and people like me are going to age into the audience over the next 10, 20 years. That seems like a a lifetime away. But the reality is is that you're going to have to market to us differently. Yeah. And it's, and again, you cannot afford to wait 10, 20 years. Like anybody listening to this probably can relate to what I'm about to say. My mom, 70 years old, 10 years ago, she would only go to doctors that got referred by somebody she trusts, right? Today, 10, 20 years later or whatever, in 2023, today she'll text me and my sister and say, hey, I got a referral to this person. Uh, do you know anything about them? 
they're asking the younger generation, right? And then what do I do? I'm like, I don't know. I, I like Google it. And if I don't see their ads, if I don't, if they don't look sophisticated, I'm like, ma, I don't know. That seems kind of sketch. Uh, go to this one. And so anyway, I, like I stand by this one statement that if you want to be a practice owner in 2023 and beyond, and you want to win, regardless of what win means to you, it's irrelevant whether you just want to be a solo practitioner or you want to have 30 practices. Regardless, you have to become a marketing company that happens to be in healthcare because this thing that healthcare providers do now where they're like, I'm a doctor, look at all my credentials. I have this Facebook intern or I pay this agency. That's not going to work for the long term. And you just don't stick your head in the sand and think it's not a problem. Like patients are getting more and more picky. Yeah. And talk about the importance, Paul, of an email list in terms of owning Owning emails is very different than followers on Facebook and followers on Instagram. And I think from if you're if you don't know a ton about marketing, if you don't understand the complexities of it, you can get caught up in oh, we just got to get more followers on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and you don't really understand how vital an email list is. No matter if it's even if it's a couple hundred, even if it's a hundred, but if you can grow that list to thousands to tens of thousands. Email's not going anywhere. The, the algorithms change like crazy on Facebook and, and that's what owners need to understand. If you're still with me on this concept that you need to be a marketing company in healthcare and not whatever the alternative is today, then what you need to start to understand is that there is uh, this concept that that is, I don't know who made it up, but I'm just going to pretend like I did. I don't know. But you have to start thinking about that relationship that you have with that patient or that referrer. And you need to be really honest with yourself. You need to be unromantic about it. And here's what that is. You need to understand that there is a concept that is first party versus third party. Do you have a first party relationship with the referrer or the patient? Or do you have a third party relationship with either of those? Now, let's talk about what that means for a minute. Third party means you don't own the direct connection with them. They might follow you on social they might follow you on TikTok, they might follow you on Instagram, they might follow you on LinkedIn, whatever that channel is, those follower accounts are vanity metrics and they're fickle and they're a third party. And what I mean by that is, is that you don't own that relationship. When you post something right now on Facebook or wherever you post as a practice owner, if you do that at all, your post is not going to 100% of the people that follow you at all. At best, it might be 2% or 3%. That's terrifying. And yet, that's where if anybody's spending any money at all, that's what they do. They just spend it on these third-party platforms and then wonder why it's not turning into more patients. What you have to start to think about is, is that you have to leverage these third-party relationships or third-party you know, uh, relationships with, with your patients or your providers, and you need to try aggressively to move that to a first-party relationship. So a first-party relationship is where you have their phone number and or their email address because now you can email them directly at any time. You can text them directly at any time. You can call them at any time. That is a first party relationship with somebody and nobody can take that away from you. You can screw it up. You could text somebody too much or not email them enough and now they're like, who is this? I don't wanna read it anymore. But at least with the first party relationship, only you can screw it up. Whereas with a third-party relationship, it could get taken away from you at any time. A good example here in 2023 is Twitter. For 10, 12 years, everybody's put so much effort into growing their brands on Twitter, 
And it doesn't matter whether you like or, or hate Elon Musk. Now it's like, for what? Like everything's changing. And it's like, uh, you could have a million followers on there, but that doesn't matter anymore because the algorithms change so much that doesn't work. So anyway, if you're with me this far, you've got to embrace this idea of like, do I have a third party relationship with my patients or a first party? And I'm advocating for you to like fight incredibly hard to use third party relationships in order to drive a larger number of first party relationships. The more and more you own that, the more and more you own that first party relationship, the more you can test stuff, you can grow, you can, you know, there's this old, I know this is going to be kind of cheesy, but there's this sort of old line from an old movie like 25 years ago called Gladiator. And in that movie, he says something that's always stuck with me. He says, um, Proximo, the guy, uh, one of the, the, the main characters says, if you control the crowd, you control your freedom. In the moment, you're like, what does that even mean? It's hand wavy. What a cool line. I don't know what, right? But it makes so much sense. Healthcare companies today, and actually most companies today, every company today needs to understand that we're fighting a war for attention. 20 years ago, if somebody was, uh, let's just say you and I were having a meeting, 20 years ago, if we were sitting here face to face, business etiquette was, hey, we have 30 minutes on the calendar. Let's just sit here together and talk. Well, today, you and I are multitasking. I'm thinking about my kids. I'm, uh, oh, there goes an alert on my email. Oh, just got a text, you know. And for the healthcare providers listening to this right now, you know what I'm talking about. 30 years ago, a patient would sit there in your treatment room and if they wanted to let their attention wander, what did they do? They probably read one of those magazines you put on the table or they were like staring at the TV in the corner with the cartoons or whatever. But today, what does it look like? Today, the kids in your practice are sitting there with a Kindle wondering what your Wi-Fi access password is. The parent that's supposed to be doing their exercises right there in their session with you is saying, hang on a sec, my kid's texting me and, and they're probably scrolling TikTok while they're supposed to be listening to you. That's what it looks like today. And you can choose to say, oh, it used to be so much nicer back in the old days. You can choose to do that. But, or you choose to say, attention spans have changed. And I'm a marketing company that happens to be in healthcare. And when my patient doesn't know that I exist or my patient loses interest in listening to me, it's my fault. And that's what it means to be unromantic about growing your practice or even starting your practice. When someone, Paul, is looking for, whether it's a freelancer or contractor, they're bought in on the, the mindset, they understand what they need to do. Give me some red flags to look for when you're talking to contractors, you're talking to a freelancer. And even if you're saying, all right, I've got the budget for an agency, I want, you know, I want to go that route. What are those red flags that you've seen in the past? Regardless of how you do this, whether it's a full-timer, an agency, a contractor, a part-timer or whatever, there's a million red flags. But if it was me in my practice, I would recommend you do it the same way that we do it at Strata, like how you and I do it. We've agreed on what the metrics are that we're going to measure. In this case, it's how many people request to speak to an expert on our team, how many people signed up to our emails what percentage of those people open our email. Like we've set all these metrics that we can talk about if you want. And a red flag would be anybody, again, whether they're full-time contract, whatever. I want a weekly touch point that is no longer than 20 minutes tops that specifically just talks about where those numbers are week over week over week. And a red flag would be anybody not willing to commit to that. Regardless of the budget. 
Right. Yes. In fact, it's even more important to spend this time building this muscle, the less money you spend. Like you're not going to get to Coca-Cola's size. Let's just use that as an example. Coca-Cola's marketing budget is probably billions of dollars. And if I gave a practice owner a billion dollars right now and said, go spend it on marketing, that would be the most terrifying thing in the world if they didn't already have this muscle memory built of here's what metrics matter. Here's how often we're going to talk about them objectively. And then, you know, you start to rinse and repeat. So in other words, yeah, like the less money you spend, the more important this muscle is to build because you're not going to get to those larger marketing budgets safely unless you've got a system in place for looking at these metrics on a regular basis. And this is like business 101. It's a good question, but it's insane to me that like we know that that's the way it should work in almost every other industry. But healthcare sort of doesn't realize it yet. Thanks for listening to another episode of Strata Shorts. Strata is a single EMR platform and a revenue cycle management service for physical, occupational, and speech therapy practices that helps you achieve a 99.99% reimbursement rate. If you'd like to learn more about Strata, head over to stratapt.com or email us at hello at stratapt.com.